we have a lot of reasons for wanting to track down Deepa Ajit. Remember, we first found the name Deepa Ajit in that letter Sasi Nara wrote to her brother before she was murdered. She alleged her husband Hanu and Deepa were having an affair. Since then, we've collected eyewitness anecdotes from the Nara's neighbors. Thurman Jennings told us that most mornings while he was driving home from work, he'd see Hanu with a tall, thin Indian woman. He later saw that same woman helping Hanu clean out the apartment just days after Sasi and Anish were killed. And Crystal White ID'd a woman by the same description at the scene of the crime on the night of the murders. Deepa Ajit could help us understand a lot about this case, help us confirm or debunk things we've learned so far. So that's why Tinku and Betsy have staked out a luxury home in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and now followed a Lexus SUV until the driver pulled into a Wawa convenience store parking lot. Could this be the depot we're looking for? We enter the parking lot right behind her. I get out and go over to what we think is Deepa's car. I knock on the window as she remains seated in the driver's seat. Hi there. Are you Deepa? By any chance? What happens next unfolds quickly and over the course of just a minute or two. I try to explain who we are and get Deepa to talk to us. There's a tussle when Betsy approaches to try and snap a picture. We have to make a hasty exit. We got it. We gotta go. She we tried to go. grab my phone. Oh yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. I got her picture. Did you get one? I got a video. Something. We rush back to the car and quickly drive into a nearby neighborhood. We're both a bit rattled and trying to unpack what just happened. Just coming down now from an adrenaline rush after confronting who we think is deeper. I told her who I was and that I've been trying to get in touch with her. But Deepa said she did not want to talk. She was polite, definitely, you know, she didn't raise her voice. She was talking very softly. And uh, she had a small smile on her face as she was talking to me, which then started to disappear. And when we mentioned Sasi and Anish by name, she didn't bat an eye didn't seem surprised by the question. She didn't ask, well, who are they? She, she didn't pretend to even not know what I was talking about. She right out said, no, I'm not interested. But also, we needed to get a photo of her so that we could try to confirm whether she was the woman who showed up at Hanu's house the night of the murders, the woman who Crystal said went into the crime scene. She said, you can't take a picture of me, you can't take a picture of me. And I handed her the picture that had Anish Sasi and Hanu on it. And I said, do you know any of these people? And she crumpled up the paper and threw it at me. After Deepa crumpled up our flyer, Betsy was able to snap a photo. When we send it to Thurman and Crystal, they confirm this was the woman at the scene of the crime. She was the woman helping Hanu clean out the apartment. But we still don't know if she was involved, to what extent, or why. But being here in wealthy suburban Pennsylvania has helped us see some things about this case in a brand new light. In fact, a million things. 
I'm Tinku Ray. And I'm Ben Adair. This is Strangeland, Season 2, Murder in Maple Shade. Episode 12, The Payoff. After seeing Deepa's big new house, we realize she's gone through a huge lifestyle change in the six years since the murders. Her name's on the deed for her mansion in Westchester and two other properties worth over $800,000 combined. For Hanu's part, we know about the million-dollar life insurance policy that he tried to collect in May 2017. We also know that he left Fox Meadow and Mapleshade just after the murders, even while he continues to fight in a New Jersey court to collect Sussie's estate. We know a few other things, too. Back when we first started reporting the story, we spoke with former Mapleshade mayor Nelson Wiest. And he told us something that we didn't know quite what to make of at the time. He talked about a donation that Hanu made to the Maple Shade Food Bank back in 2021, a few years after the murders. He told us Hanu wanted to present the check himself at a Maple Shade Township Council meeting. It was arranged via a local Indian-American politician named Upendra Chivakula. He said, I I did not kill my wife and and child, and uh, I want to clear my name. Upendra is originally from Andhra Pradesh, and he's also a former mayor of a town near Mapleshade. He said, I'm willing to do anything to clear my name so that way I can move on with my life. But uh, I'm in such a situation that I cannot let it, you know, the hardship and emotional hurt, everything is there, and I cannot put it behind me. And uh, that is what he told me. Upendra says he hadn't met Hanu before the request. But they do have a friend in common, a man named Ravi Patlori, the same friend of the family that Hanu called the night of the murder, before police and paramedics showed up. He had reached out to me and he looked at this happened in Maple Shade. This is my friend. Police uh, don't have anything against him. They cannot prove anything. But they are uh, keeping him as a suspect because he had a lot of issues with uh, their in-laws. And the in-laws are in India. Upendra says he was willing to go through with the request, but it wasn't easy. Getting the Mapleshade Town Council to accept the money took some convincing. The township uh, mayor, I mean the council, they were uh, hesitant. But I told him, look, you know, he lived here and he's doing well and he wanted to give something back to the community. You should not have any problem. And of course, his staff advised him and I, we also uh, know photographs with, because, you know, he's, he's a person of interest. The mayor was very, uh, in spite of the opposition he was getting, so he agreed for that. I had trouble not taking it a next step to see if it was okay to do that. This is Nelson Wiest again, the mayor of Mapleshade at the time. He says he was skeptical of an ulterior motive. But still, it's hard to turn down money for a good cause. And I reached out to uh, the police department and 
they didn't see any reason why I shouldn't do that, but with cautions. So I went back the same chain that had reached to me and said, you know, with these stipulations, uh, yeah, we're good. And I'm just curious, did you get the sense that he was like trying to make good or like improve his standing with maple shade? There had to be ulterior motives that were not positive. If that's a nice way of beating around that question. <laughs> um, can we take a... Sure, absolutely. Nelson has to take a break at this point. And when we come back, he's changed the subject. But Hanu was pretty clear about his reason for making the donation, at least according to what Upendra just said. Uh, he said, I, I, I want to clear my name. I'm willing to do anything to clear my name so that way I can move on with my life. We scour the minutes from past township council meetings, hours of reading fine print and details of small town life. There's a lengthy debate over allowing backyard chicken coops. A man named Lefty Grimes talks about bringing a cannabis dispensary to town. And the council celebrates over Maple Shade winning the award for the best-tasting water in New Jersey. And then we find it in the minutes from a meeting held May 13th, 2021. The entry reads, Presentation. A former resident from Mapleshade presented a donation to the food bank. We also find a video of this meeting and hear Hanu back in Mapleshade addressing the town council. We will now have a presentation by Mr. Nara with regard to our Mapleshade food bank. That's next, after the break. My name is Hanunara. I lived in this neighborhood for nine years prior to what happened to my family in Fox Meadows apartment back in 2017. I lost my wife and son. Mayor Weiss says Hanu flew to Mapleshade to present his donation in person. When Hanu showed up at the meeting, he had a small entourage in tow. Five people, all of them Indian. And when Hanu started to give his presentation, it quickly veered into a plea for justice in the murder case. My life has been destroyed completely. I'm looking for what happened to them, but I'm going to see a closer for my family. We are not finding that. And we want to know what happened. Mr. Nara, if I may. Then, Mayor Weist interrupted. That's not why you were, you said you were coming here, and this is not the forum for this. It's an ongoing investigation, so we cannot talk about it, uh, and we really shouldn't publicize it. We were trying to talk with you and your attorneys of, Stopping that, so you cannot talk about that. Mayor Reese says he was concerned that Hanu wasn't talking to police, and he didn't want this presentation to become a forum for Hanu to declare his innocence. The police officers tried to talk to him, but he refused. My understanding was that police uh, asked them if he had a few minutes, and uh, he apparently had a plane to catch. Um, so... No, he, he didn't. Even if a sizable donation to charity could clear a person's name in a murder case, how much would that be? How much would Hanu be willing to spend? We call the Mapleshade Food Bank. They check their records from the time of Hanu's visit, May 2021, but show no evidence of a donation from him, then or ever. 
So we reach out to the Mapleshade Township to see if they have any documentation of Hanu giving money or any notes on how much it was. In turn, they require us to submit a public records request. So we do. And this is the clerk's response. Quote, The donation you reference was made to the Mapleshade Food Bank, an organization separate from the township. The township does not have records that identify the amount of the donation. So there's no record of a donation at the township. No record of a donation at the food bank. Where did the money go? With no record of any donation, was it ever really made? But you know who did write a check to the food bank that month? Ravi Potlori, in a puzzling amount of $716.21. Was he bankrolling Hanu's donation? And we have another question about timing. Why was Hanu trying to clear his name at this point in time, May 2021? Well, remember that New Jersey Slayer statute? That's the law that bars a killer from inheriting assets from their victim. So when Hanu tried to file the claim for Sasu's life insurance, he was denied the payout. The insurance company cited a letter from Burlington County which stated Hanu had not been cleared as a suspect. Then the money got tied up in lawsuits between Hanu and Sasu's family. It still is. Maybe Hanu thought if he cleared his name, it could have implications for him. In court. According to his legal filings, Hanu says he's entitled to the insurance payout because he's the surviving spouse. He says he's never been named as a suspect in her murder, so the Slayer statute doesn't apply. Which, to be fair, as far as we know, the Burlington County Prosecutor's Office has never said Hanu's a suspect. They've just refused to say that he isn't. Sassi's family, in their court filings, says Hanu's heavy drinking contributed to a troubled marriage, that he was having an affair with a co-worker, and that the murder investigation is still pending. After the initial suits, Sasi's insurance money was put into the hands of a court-appointed administrator. And it seemed like the only way to sort all this out would be a settlement between Hanu and Sasi's family. Years pass. Negotiations continue. And it was starting to look like a settlement was going to happen. We are on the record in the matter of the estate of uh, Sisakala Nara. Uh, this is docket number 2017-1043. I'll note for the record. But whatever the status of that donation, or non-donation, Hanu and his lawyers, and the lawyers for Sussie's family, are now back in a New Jersey court. I'm standing in front of the old courthouse in Mount Holly, New Jersey, it's a beautiful old colonial building. It was built in 17. It's August 2022, and I'm here to sit in on one of the latest hearings in the battle over Saucy's estate. The case is in front of Judge Paula Dow, a New Jersey Superior Court Chancery judge, which means she handles things like divorce and probate cases. She's been dealing with Saucy's estate for a while now. I came in person for the event. But since COVID, most hearings take place on Zoom, with attorneys calling in from their cars, getting frozen on screen, and having audio drop out. Are we hearing some echo? Uh, I'm on unmute. 
I'm, I mean, I'm on you. Are you hearing an echo now? This case has traveled a long and winding road to get here. At one point in time, the issue was being heard in both federal and local court, with judges in each jurisdiction making a different decision as to who should oversee the estate, Hanu or Saucy's parents. This is the first in a series of hearings over the coming weeks, and Hanu could be on the precipice of a large inheritance. How will the court decide? That's coming up right after the break. Sir, will you please state and your full name and then spell it for the record. Mr. Um, Hanuman Thoreau. Yeah, uh, um, I'm going to ask you just to pronounce it a little bit slower. Help me out here. H-A-N-U-M-A. Zoom court is back in session. Hanu and his lawyers are up against Donald Brown, attorney for Sussie's family. The hearing today is over a proposed settlement. According to Donald, both sides have reached an agreement. Hanu was set to get Sussie's jewelry and 70% of the net estate. Her family would get the remaining 30%. This may be why Sussie's family didn't want to talk to us or a reporter in India. Maybe they didn't want to risk the settlement. But, Sussie's family's lawyer says, when it came time to sign the paperwork, Hanu refused. He couldn't abide by a percentage split. He wants the inheritance divided up in exact dollar amounts. So negotiations come to a grinding halt. On one side is Donald and Sussie's family. We're asking the judge to enforce the settlement they say Hanu had previously agreed to. Hanu's lawyers, at his behest, say they never signed off on anything. Good morning, Judge Jack Venturi for Hanu Nara. Uh, Michael Sinema for Hanunara. I don't like two tagging the counsel. Who's going to be the lead counsel on this matter? At this hearing, the judge is trying to figure out exactly what happened with the settlement. According to court filings, Sussie's estate is worth approximately $1.2 million. That includes the million dollars in life insurance, $100,000 in a savings account, $60,000 in investment accounts, and about $30,000 in jewelry. Or at least... That's what Sussie's family and their lawyer thought. They have to negotiate for almost two years. They said, here's an E-Trade account we never told you about. And we want to settle, but we want the E-Trade account. Here again is Sussie's family's lawyer, Donald Brown. He says that Sussie had an additional fifty dollars to $60,000 in an E-Trade account. But Hanu's team didn't disclose the account until after the list of assets had already been divided. When Judge Dow learns of this, she accuses Hanu of sitting on information. I mildly say that's disingenuous as to his actions and the reliability of his actions and raise questions to me as the credibility of him, particularly when the other clients are located out of the country. And I'm, I'm sorely put aside if the facts support uh, that he mysteriously discovered this substantial extra asset when he was required to provide all the information. That's Judge Speak for 
WTF. This hearing ends with the judge still not satisfied with what's going on. She sets a final hearing, and it sounds like Hanu plans to testify, an unconventional move in this type of case. Typically, estate cases are straightforward and bureaucratic. In this case, though, both sides are going to be allowed to submit evidence, setting up a type of mini-trial for the judge to decide if the settlement stands or if negotiations must continue. I'll swear everyone in at once. Uh, the petitioner, Mr. Hamim Naro, could you turn on your camera, please? Sure. And I'd ask you to keep it on. It's a week later, and the final hearing slash Zoom call about the settlement is getting underway. I'm taking note of Hanu's appearance and mannerisms. He's dressed in what looks like a branded Under Armour exercise shirt, while others on the call are wearing suits and ties. Mr. Nara, I remind you that we're in a courtroom, albeit virtually. You've already been sworn in. You are under oath. Hanu's lawyers are here, the family's lawyer, the judge, a few other assorted officials, and us. Judge Doe, I request the press to be... I don't know. I don't. I know. Press is in the in the meeting. I just want any information to be confidential. I see the new names here. Whether they sign. Mr. are you are you addressing that to me? Yes. We are the press he's referring to. Hanu's not happy that we're listening in. Normally, you work through counsel, but is there some question you had about the press? I thought I heard you say that. I just want to make sure that there is a confidentiality agreement. They're not. Recording the information, they're not forwarding the information out. Hanu wants to keep the information shared on the call private, but it's a public hearing and we're not budging. Hanu's attorney jumps in to try and smooth things over. The judge does not appreciate it. In other words, I think he's asking, is this a public record, Judge? Uh, the reason being is that there was an underlying investigation, a criminal investigation concerning the uh, uh, homicide of his wife and son, uh, we feel he's been treated unfairly in regard to that because uh, he was never a suspect. He was never charged. He provided a, a clear alibi with a dozen... If this is a talking this. statement in order to get it before the press, I'll note this. That matter on the criminal investigation is not before me. To the extent counsel want to indicate that this chancery court, which is chancery slash probate, has treated uh, petitioner unfairly as a result of that investigation. I did not see that in any of the paper submissions, and I'm not going to allow that as a, a surprise avenue of attention today. It should have been addressed in the paper. I don't, I don't know where you're getting that from, Judge, respectfully. I never once said that this court or any of the courts were uh, biased against against Mr. Nair because of the... Uh, actually, Mr. Venturi, that's what I just thought I heard you saying. That's incorrect, uh, Judge. Uh, I, if, if I misspoke, but I think I was very clear. I was just directing the remarks to the press being unfair, not this court. Absolutely not. While being questioned by his own attorney, Hanu repeats his position. He never would have agreed to a settlement without a complete audit of Sussie's estate. But then, on cross-examination... The family's lawyer quickly zeroes in on what the heck happened with that missing E-Trade account. 
Mr. Nara, did your wife maintain an E-Trade account during her life? Objection, immaterial. Your Honor, this was discussed at the last motion, and part of the issue here is that there is no updated accounting because one of the assets was not disclosed for a year and a half. So it's, it's relevant to this discussion we're having today, Judge. It was disclosed prior to the settlement, and it was part of the settlement. Your Honor, Mr. Venturi should not be testifying while I'm questioning a witness. Well, you made statements of fact. No, Mr. Venturi, them. no. If you say one more thing, I'm going to have you removed. You're not on the stand. This is a courtroom. You're not testifying. If you want to have argument outside, we can have that. But you don't get to answer or even to suggest an answer for your client. We all know that. After Hanu's attorney is thoroughly chastised by the judge, Donald continues his line of questioning, and Hanu quickly goes on the defensive. Did you first learn about this account before or after her death? I was the one maintaining her account. I knew all along and I communicated all along to my attorneys. Hanu says that he knew about the account even before Sussy died. So you knew about the account, the E-Trade account, before your wife died. Is that correct? Yes, I, being part of the marriage, that's what you do too. Uh, don't you? Don't you? Don't you know what your wife maintains? In case it's not clear, Hanu said, being part of the marriage, that's what you do too, don't you? Don't you know what your wife maintains? It's a tangent, but it also seems in line with everything we've learned about how finances were handled in the Nara family. Regardless of the reason for Hanu's response, Judge Dow does not let it slide. Mr. Nara, you're on a, you're on a witness stand. And uh, in, in the court proceedings here, you don't question the counsel. You have learned counsel who can raise objections. I am disallowing your questions, and I instruct you not to do so. Sussie's family's lawyer asks a few more questions. He's trying to hold Hanu's feet to the fire over this E-Trade account. Then, both sides make their closing statements. All right, thank you. I uh, anticipate getting out the ruling before the end of the week and then we can move on from there. Thank you, counsel. And after all is said and done, it looks like Hanu is about to inherit hundreds of thousands of dollars. As we wait for the judge's ruling, we revisit any other potential leads in the case. And number one on our list, finding the possible eyewitness to the murders that Thurman Jennings told us about a few episodes back. Craig had to be about in his late 20s. And Craig was basically what you call a part-time hustler. He was never, never in the house. Thurman said Craig was always hanging around outside the apartments. And Craig told Thurman that on the day of the murders, he saw Sassy and Anisha arrive home with an unidentified man. So we spend the next few days tracking down Craig and when we finally do, it's well worth the wait. There's more to this story than what y'all think it is, but I'm trying to tell y'all he had something to do with it. I said that to them at that time. Craig tells us what he saw on the day of the murders and gives us a brand new lead on a possible suspect. 
on the next episode of Strangeland. Which starts right now. <laughs>